Okay, welcome to episode 81 of the Pushing Rubber podcast, the manliest podco- podcast in the, the, the everything, really. Um, I'm your host, Adam Piggott, coming to you from Holland. The cat is trying to ambush me. No. I have a fresh, frosty bottle of my favourite new beer, uh, Chateau Newberg Pilsner. God, this is fantastic. Let me um, let me describe the uh, taste of this beer. The first thing that hits the drinker is an aromatic display of floral notes. Floral notes echoing down their floral fruitiness of goodness. There's no floral notes, people. This is floral note free. This is a damn fine pilsner. This is the sort of pilsner that puts hairs on your chest. This will put hairs on your girlfriend's chest. Damn, I love this beer. Yeah! Yeah! For any children that are listening to this podcast, go steal one out of daddy's fridge and neck it down behind the back shed. I think the first naughty thing I did uh my dad had some cigars and they were cheap as shit cigars and i nicked one went down the back shed and smoked it It was fucking disgusting i think i was about nine years old coughed my fucking lungs out and i'm pretty sure he knew about it and i'm pretty sure it's like oh we'll just let him do it that'll show him well i smoke cigars today ha didn't work kids 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 if you listen to this you're just a youngin I know there are a few young'uns who listen to this. I know Mark T's kids listen to this. 9 and 11. Hello, kids. Boys. Young'uns, as they call you in uh, Holland. Boys is young'uns. <coughs> uh-huh. You've got lots of things to look forward to. you got alcohol. Fantastic. Oh. <coughs> Cigars. <laughs> and by the way, I say alcohol. We've got beer. Scotch. Wine. Oh, so good. You got girls. Oh, girls. You got motorbikes? Cars? Uh, hopefully they're not going to be all electric cars by the time you poor kids grow up. I mean, be nothing worse. Ah, oh, check out my new Tesla. Ah! Oh, what a shit. Speaking of Tesla, I put something up about Tesla the other day and I got a comment. Mm-hmm. Let's have a look at this. Uh, when will it be time to short Tesla? Uh, it's a comment from someone called Chris. Elon, Elon Musk gets paid the legal minimum wage in California because of the long hours he works that came in at $49,000 in 2017. If he could set his salary at $1, he would. Oh, yeah, the President of the United States set his salary at a dollar. Um, guy called Donald Trump. Uh, Elon Musk... Annual salary of five billion dollars. And he told me that I was full of shit. I'll read the part where he says I was full of shit. Hang on. Uh... 
Your statement about Musk's annual salary is off by a factor of 100,000. Is it? Uh, 21st of March, 2018. Elon Musk could earn $55 billion at Tesla under his new pay plan. Here's what he makes now. It's official. Tesla shareholders have approved Chairman and CEO Elon Musk's multi-billion dollar stock option pay proposal, which could award Musk uh, $2.6 billion in stock options in 12 tranches. Uh, the catch is that this compensation is tied to the company's success. So Musk will only be paid if Tesla reaches a set of aggressive milestones that aim to grow the company's valuation from its current $52 billion to more than $650. Uh, Musk is worth a reported $20 billion, um, but the salary is currently around $37,000 a year. Well, if you earn... Yeah, fucking hell. The comment on my blog went on. Uh, Tesla doesn't make a profit because it is following the Amazon expansion model. Plow all your cash and hold on to that your cash bit. Your cash flow back into expansion so you make a statutory loss, thus avoiding paying tax until you're far ahead, enough ahead of your competition to put out of business. It isn't business, it's war. Musk will either fail spectacularly or succeed spectacularly. He's putting it all, betting it all on black, but he's not a sn snake oil salesman. He doesn't have a skill set. Yes, he fucking is a snake oil salesman because... Plow all your cash. It's not his cash. It's the taxpayer's money. So he's betting it. He's not betting his money on black. He's betting taxpayer money that the governments of the world, stupid governments, give to him via subsidies or direct fucking donations. He has, Elon Musk, has no skin in the game. He has no skin in the game. He has no downside. I can't wait for him. And the thing is, he fails spectacularly. He just walks away and all the taxpayers' money goes down the toilet. He's the biggest snake oil salesman of all time. Fucking disgrace. And he makes me mad. But anyway, I digress. I digress. Um, I've been getting a few clickbacks on the blog, a few trackbacks on the tattoo article that I wrote uh, the other week. Uh, it's called uh, Your Tattoos Are Horrible. And the trackback that it's getting the most, the quote that's getting the most um, uh, use around the manosphere is... Uh, the quote that I put in there from the 17th trait of the modern man, which is, the modern man buys the best clothes that he can afford. And the quote that I put in, and it's, this is some, you know, the, the traits that I wrote, well, probably about 18 months ago now. And this is the quote that's getting a lot of uh, attention. A man is a member of a tribe. You may believe that it does not matter how you dress, but it does. You may think that people should not judge by appearances, but they do. You might well consider yourself to be special and above the hierarchies of social status, but you are not. Um, and then I, I factored it. And that's what the 17th trade is about. Like, uh, Aaron Clary went, kindly went through my 28 trades of the modern man a few weeks ago on his, um, uh, on a video request. Uh, but 
he just kind of read the title. The titles, the titles of the the traits, are not indicative of what the traits are about. It's really important to understand that. For instance, the the one about not opening wine without a corkscrew is about ceremony. That's what it's about. Uh, the seventeenth the trait here about buys the best clothes you can afford is not about <laughs> about buying clothes. It's about it's about the fact that how you dress is important. How you present yourself is important. How you interact socially is important. One of the reasons that I don't like Australia and that I was very happy to leave Australia in the first place and that I went back to Australia against... <laughs> I really didn't want to. And then I was really happy to leave again last year is because... Um, the social situation, the so, it, social status of dressing um, was was completely destroyed in Australia. I mean, you look at photos from the 1950s and early 1960s of, say, going to the Perth Royal Show or the Sydney Easter Show or something like that, uh, big events, the whole fam- all families go out and go down to. People, the guys are all there, hats, suits, ties, looking dapper, looking like they've made a big effort. And then we had the sexual revolution in the 60s, and literally the whole of society in a decade fell apart. And then everyone's going down to the pub in singlets, stubby shorts, and thongs. That's it. And that's the chicks. You know, it's just like, it was... And you know, you, you, you bought, I was born in 1971... And then I grew up with just with just everyone. It wasn't everyone looking like shit. It was just that everyone. I don't know. Society had been ripped apart. Like where's the saying that society been ripped apart now? It was ripped apart a long time ago, long time ago. And now in Australia, I mean, when I was growing up, if you if you dressed well when you went out, uh, there was a good chance you'd get into a fight. Who are you trying to impress, cunt? Bang! Yeah? This is like 1989 or 1988 or something like that. You had to really watch out what you dressed. Uh, I, I worked with a guy who had two wardrobes. The wardrobe for what he wore in Perth. The suits He had suits to wear in Perth and suits to wear in Melbourne. And the suits that he wore in Melbourne were nicely, very nicely cut. Very fashionable suits. But the suits that he wore in Perth were much more plain. Because if you wear a nicely cut suit in Perth, who are you trying to be, mate? It's just unbelievable. Uh, so it is important that you dress well. It is important. And I like it, you know, in Europe, you know, they dress well. And it's not like you're forced to dress well. It's just that everyone makes an effort. Society here hasn't been broken and just thrown in the crapper. It's true. It's true. It's true. It's true. Uh, I'm going to go straight to... Uh, I've got some... Uh, I've got a bit of mail this week. I'm, I'm not going to read all of them. Um, hi, Adam. This is from a question about podcast number 80, the one about this before this one. Uh, Hi Adam, I listened to your podcast, thank you, and became interested in your consulting business that provided English trained to Italians. 
I think that I could do this as a retirement activity. I am bilingual, Spanish, and will have a relatively easy time returning to Chile, where I'm a national by birth. I'm thinking about going there when I'm done pushing aluminium through the sky. You see what I did there. I like it. I'm getting the feeling that you're a trolley dolly. No. Sounds like a pot. My strengths are intelligence, perseverance, bilingual skills, some teaching experience, and rooting airline stewardesses. Oh, he didn't put that one in. I've got to say, I slept with quite a few airline stewardesses back in the day. Because, uh, I'm digressing, by the way. Uh, back when I lived in Uganda, um, British Airways had a shuttle from uh, Entebbe, which is the, the airport in Uganda, to uh, Dar es Salaam in Tanzania. So the 777 would come in and land it in Tebi, and then the, the crew from the 777, and you're talking about 20 people, would be in the uh, Kampala Sheraton for, I think it was close to 12 days, because on the sixth day or something like that, they so the 777 would just sit there the whole time. And then they'd do a shuttle to Dar es Salaam. Uh, and then come back. So we'd, we'd normally they'd book in a rafting trip with us on their first their first day that they were there after they you know the the night after the, the they flew in the night before. So we'd take them all rafting, and well, you've got you've got you got your three pilots, so the two pilots, the engineer, whatever the hell it is. They're all blokes, and then you've got at least three gay stewards. And then the rest are all chicks. And the British Airways stewardesses back in the times, and this is like 99, 2000, they were, there were a lot of Spanish girls, I remember, a lot of, a fair few English girls. Um, there were a lot of Swedish girls. Uh, and there were a lot of girls from the Caribbean. Um, and lots of Spanish girls for some reason working for flying British Airways at the time. I don't know why. Um, and I just want to say, I just want to say that um, if you hooked up with them on that first day, that you were in the in the Kampala Sheraton for ten nights, um, and it wasn't ten nights of sleeping. Let me tell you that right now. Um, so, pilot, I think he's a bit older. Hang on, let's go back to his one. My main weakness is my lack of business experience, having been an employee for almost all my working life. Also, I'm older than dirt. I'll retire from the airlines at age 65. I'm 52 now. What's this older than, and dirt at 52? I'm 46. I'm not older than dirt. Fucking hell. I understand that the easy route would be to teach English as an employee. And since I'll be doing this for spending money, that would work. But your idea sounds a lot more fun. Yeah, you don't want to go and be... i tell you right now, dude. i tell you right now. You do not want to retire as a pilot... And then go work at an English language school. That would be the fucking pits. Just, oh my God. Oh my God. You do not want to do it, man. You do want to do it. Um, so I'd appreciate any advice you could give. And I do understand you've right to charge for such advice. Please tell me what you require. <laughs> Hot stewardesses, obviously. No, those days are behind me. Uh, we'll, get to the, we'll get to the charge in a bit. Um, look. So the main question is, uh, you got a lack of business experience. Um, all right. So let me go into more detail about the English language consultancy thing that I ran. I started off as a 
an employee of a, but it was a very small English language consultancy firm in Italy that was run by this English guy who was, who was, well, pretty much a shyster from what I could tell. He had a really small office with a secretary uh, and himself, and then he'd, he'd nail the courses down and then hire in um, people to teach them. And he didn't care. He wasn't asking for qualifications. Literally, you're a native English speaker. <laughs> you're in, mate. <laughs> Whereas the other schools were just like, your formulaic factory supermarket stuff, and you had to have these qualifications that you had to pay a lot of money for, and rah, 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 rah. So anyway, I started off with him, and I did it for a few years with him, and he had these contracts, and basically he moved on from it, and he shut his school down, but he let me, I was his main guy, he let me keep the contracts, and so I kept the contracts, and then I found out how he got the contracts, and then I got some more contracts, and it just went like that. And then my name got around. My name got around in the area of Italy where I was working. And and by the end of it, I had people ringing me up. And I hadn't even really set the business up properly. I didn't have an office or a secretary or anything like that. But I did a good job. Um, and I was, I was moderately, I was charging about 50 euros an hour, which was, which was pretty reasonable at the time. But pretty outrageous, I reckon, when you consider that the I think if you work at, if you worked in a shop in Italy at the time, you got about five euros an hour. So yeah, as you will. So what advice would I have about how to set this up? First of all, first of all, you might um, you might be bilingual, but doesn't doesn't mean you know. And and so you'd be teaching. You'd be teaching, um, I'm assuming you're teaching English because you're not going to be teaching Spanish to people in Chile. Um, now, I'm, a, I'm an Australian, so I'm a native English speaker. Um, you'd be surprised how much you don't know about your own language until the point where you get up for the first time and someone asks you how an adjective works with a personal pronoun and you just sit there looking at them like, and then you just turn to the person in the other, some random student in the front row go, well, what do you think? Because <laughs> you've got no fucking idea what the hell. Because the thing is, like when you're nine or 10 years old, you learn all the grammar stuff in school. And so you know it and you're, a, you're an expert, but then you forget, you know how to use it, but you forget, you forget the rules. Like you, you're using them properly but you couldn't articulate them if your life depended on it. On it. So my fir your first order of business will be to really brush up on your English grammar, uh, big time. Do you know what a verb is? Do you know what a noun is? This is really basic stuff. What's a pronoun? What's a subject? What's an object? You know, what's a preposition? What's a phrasal verb? What's the conjunctive? What's a modal verb? What's the, try and explain the present perfect continuous to someone, even if you're explaining it in their own language. Like you've got Spanish students there and you're explaining the grammar in Spanish, but explain the present perfect continuous to them. Because I, I spoke Italian, so I could, I could explain the grammar in Italian, yeah? The Italians and Spanish do not have 
Present perfect continuous. Trust me on this. Trust me. It just doesn't exist. Um, and then let, let's get into more advanced stuff. What about the if clause? Yeah? With modal verbs. If I had done my homework, then I would not have a problem now. Okay? This is hard stuff. So f first order of business. First order of business. You've got to know what you're talking about. That's the very first order of business. That's even before you do anything. Second, if I would go back to Italy now and had to, and if I had to set up an English consultancy business catering to companies, how would I do it? Starting from scratch. I'd set myself up a little office. I'd set myself up a little secretary, pay her peanuts. Well, I'd go down to the local um, university um, where they have um, Italians graduating with uh, degrees in English, so useless degrees, and I'd pick, I'd pick a girl who was hardworking and plain and intelligent. I'd pay her what I needed to pay her to keep her. Uh, I'd set myself up an office somewhere. I'd get proper letterheads, business cards, all the rest of it. Um, I would employ her not just as a secretary, but also as a translator. Okay, so that's why I want her. She studied English, so she actually the translating work comes in, and translating work can pay big time. It's very hard to do, but it can pay good money. And then what I would do is I'd put on a good suit, and I would hit the streets, and I would just hit companies, hit companies, hit companies. Knock on doors, cards, brochure. This is what I can do. Train English for your staff. Does your staff need English? Ra 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 ra. Man, and I'd be looking for rejection. I'd be seeking out rejection. I'd be seeking out people to say no. We don't want you. I'd be like everyone that says no. And I'd be like, yeah, give me your nose. I would not be going out looking for yeses. If you go out looking for yeses, your soul will be destroyed in a single morning. You'll get to the point where you'll do anything, anything to avoid pulling into the driveway of the next business that's going to reject you. You don't look for yeses, you look for noes. Walk up, look for a no, look for a no, look for a no. And sooner or later, you'll get your first yes. Yeah. Price, price your... And, and you're going to get your yes based on your price. So you need to find out, first of all, what the main companies are charging, and you need to undercut them. Um, but you need to just not undercut them too much, like maybe about 20%, 25%. And you give them a deal for the first you know, six months or something like that. You need to get the foot-in-the-door deal. Foot-in-the-door deal, okay? Um, if this sounds like fun to you, because you're writing this, your idea sounds like a lot more fun. Uh, yeah, it is more fun than employee. I don't know why you'd want to do this. No, if you retire from the airlines at age 65, why do you want to? And retirement activity. This is this wouldn't be an activity. Yeah, an activity is playing golf. Golf is an activity. You know, I have to hit the ball in the hole. That's an activity. This is not an activity. This is hard work. And I tell you what's really hard work. You think you think that knocking on the doors 
And selling your product is hard work. Delivering on it. Teaching teaching is hard, man. Teaching is hard work. If you're going to be good at it. If you're going to be average at it, teaching is a fucking snore. A fucking snore. Like, I think back at the teachers I had at school. And the majority of them were droolers. I mean, absolute droolers. Retards. I mean, I mean, serious retarded people who were teaching me in, in primary school and high school. I, I, I can see it. I got, a, I got a handful, a handful. Mr. Swinsiski from maths, he was not a retard. Mr. Repper, economics, he was not a retard. Um, my guitar teacher, Mr. Casey. Notice that I can only remember the names of the teachers who were not retards. All the other teachers who were retards, I can't remember your names. Because you were retards. Man, 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 if you just want to be a, if you just want to, if you want to goof, if you want to be the type of teacher that gets up, all right, uh, everyone open your books to page 27 and read to page 32 while I sit up here and uh, jerk off underneath the table. Fuck it, yeah, go for it, mate. That, that'll be a nice retirement activity. But if you actually want to teach and you want to see that people learn and you've got 15 people in front of you and adults, so the thing with kids is if you've got, if you've got, you're teaching some grade, let's say 12-year-olds, grade 7, you're teaching 12-year-olds, they're all relatively in the same, in the same zone. Not, not intelligence-wise as such, but, but, you know, the distribution is not too bad. But with adults, fucking hell, man, you're going to be dealing with people who maybe have got masters or PhDs in something that's actually real and not just, you know, puppetry, down to drooling retards in the same class. I, I know it doesn't sound much different than kids, but I've taught it at schools as well. Because when I was in, I, I got, I got contracts with high schools in Italy. You know, they had they had this thing in Italy where they wanted the, the the mother tongue English speakers to come in and just talk to the to the kids who were studying English at high school. So you'd have like the English teachers, and they're all Italian, and they'd be teaching grammar. And then I come in and just chat to the kids. Well, I'd I'd make a big effort for it. You know, so I saw, I've I've seen the I've seen what it's like. I've seen a lot of the kids in but the adult adults is tough, man. Adults is really tough. Adults is really tough. Really tough, because you've got to take them. You've got to take them all on the journey. You got to take them all on the journey. Um, so what I was doing was I'd go to the I'd go to the company, and the company would say, "All right, we've got, we've got, we've." The company would say to me, "We've got a new contract, and with it, it's it, it's with a company in England. Um, we need our staff to be able to speak English." And I go, "All right, who are the critical staff that need to speak English, and what departments?" Okay, how many from each department do you need to speak English? Have you already identified some potential stuff? Because normally they, they, they go to their staff first and go, who wants to learn English? And, and most staff would not put up their hands. So already you've got some volunteers. Good, they've done that job for you. Okay, always get them, always get them to do the volunteer thing. Always, always, always. Because then you're getting fright from the first bat. You're getting the motivated staff. Okay, you're getting the motivated staff. Good, that's what you want, yeah. But then I'd get the motivated staff in and I'd go, okay, so you've got 15 here. 
How many realistically? Because I'm going to charge you per student. I'm not going to charge you per hour that I'm working. So if I come in and do an hour lesson and there's 10 students, I'm charging you per student. It's very important to do this because otherwise they'll throw 30 people at you. Yeah? You're charging per student. And this is important. This is critical because then they have skin in the game. The company has skin in the game because the company's paying for it. And the employees who are taking on this responsibility and burden of learning English have skin in the game because the company's directly paying for them. You can't get anyone who's just going to skate through and not do the work. Critical, critical point per student. It's also a critical point because you make more money. You need to explain to the company manager why it's per student. Because the motivation and the success rates will be higher because the students will have pressure coming from their boss to actually do the fucking homework that you set them. Okay? You then have to evaluate them and then put them in. Let's say you've got five different departments and you've got three employees from each department, 15 employees. You now do an evaluation and then from that you've got a basic introductory English course, an intermediate course and an advanced course. Okay? And you work it through like that. That's how you do it. That's how you do it. There you go. I'm going to return to his last uh, sentence. So I'd appreciate any advice you could give, and I do want to send you for right to charge for such advice. Please tell me what you require. Okay. Okay. So obviously I've just done this, and I'm not set up like Cappy's set up with his arsehole consulting. And I don't don't want to do something like that because that's just kind of... I, I don't want to. I don't want to rain on his parade. And it's really important to me personally. And Cappy could even contact me and go, "Oh, Adam, go and rain on my parade. I don't care." No, no, I'm not going to rain on your parade. But I also, I also, it'd be nice to have some cash coming in. And people are appreciating the podcast. I got quite a few emails this week on the podcast. Thank you for all your emails. I really do appreciate. Um. So I'm probably going to set up a Patreon. Yes, I know, I've given it so much shit before in the past, but I'm going to do it. So if I've helped you out in the past, if you've, if you've asked me for advice, I've given you advice, throw me some bucks. Set up a monthly, a monthly deduction. Look, if I've got 250 subscribers to the blog, 260 subscribers, I've got 150 subscribers to the podcast, something like that. If 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 those people flip me in a dollar a week, a dollar a week, fucking hell, man, that'll cover my mortgage. You know? So flip me 10 bucks a month or something like that, yeah? Or whatever. Whatever you think that my... Because I've, 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 I've done some jobs. Some, I've done some stuff. Some people have sent me emails and I've given them heaps of stuff in return. What's it worth to you? What's it worth? I'll set up the Patreon... It's not going to be this weekend because I'm away this weekend. I'll set it up in the next couple of weeks. You work out what you think's fair. And for those people who are like, keep doing the podcast, Adam, man, we love it. Keep making the effort. Good. Flip me a couple of bucks every week. Yeah. It'll be nice. Whatever. 
five bucks a week. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what people do. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't give anyone anything in a Patreon. I think the only person I've ever donated to. Who I donated to? I've donated to the other McCain. Um, I haven't donated to Cappy. I've paid Cappy in the past. He gave me. He did a uh, consultancy job for me for should I buy a house in Melbourne, uh, which was very important to me but I, I haven't donated to him paid for a service so look if you like the podcast if you like the blog if you want me to keep making the effort if you're like yeah man we know you're working full time and you're just buying a house and you know you know and you've got a cat uh, <laughs> yeah slip me some bucks all right um moritz wrote to me dear gentleman adventurer Figured you might enjoy this link, or at the very least be able to make a decent mockery of this pile of soy. And he sent me an article. The article is titled, I did every cliched manly activity to see if it would boost my testosterone. Uh, I'm going to link this in the show notes. Now, this is what I recommend to you right now. If you're listening right now, just pause the podcast. uh, Click on the link. It's device, so you probably want to open it in a browser like Brave where pop-ups aren't going to hammer you. Uh, and let's have a look at this. Let's have a look at this. Let's fisk this together because it's worth fisking. Thank you. Um, uh, thank you to uh, Moritz who sent this through to me. I appreciate people who send me through stuff for me to have a look at. And he sent this a few days ago, but I, was, I thought I'll save this for the podcast. I'll save this for the podcast. So... The I did every cliched manly activity to see if it would boost my testosterone. Uh, subheading, I ate raw eggs, shot a gun, and got tattooed in my quest to figure out if machismo is bullshit. Got tattooed, eh? Didn't read old Adzy Wadzy, did you? Oh, it's from February. Well, you couldn't. That'd be a thing in the future. Uh, now, we got a pr- pl- first a p- picture of him. Let's do a description. Oh, there's a, a video. Of him eating a raw egg. Yuck. Um, how would I describe this individual? Male, white male, cis white male, is that how you say it? <laughs> um, early 30s by the look of him. Um, pale, does not go to the gym. Um, weak jawbone, weak shoulders, receding hairline. Look, it's just a miserable fucking excuse for a male. All right. So let's uh, let's scroll back up and let's have a look here. And uh, his name is Justin. Justin Kaffir. Justin Kaffir. There we go. He's written. Let's let's got a link to his name advice so he's probably written other articles so let's have a look uh at what he's written about lately so he wrote about tony robbins who i swear is a vampire tony robbins uh health i tested out the video game you play with your junk Gaming in your underwear has never been easier with this new wearable that combines high scores and pelvic floors. Holy shit. 
Um, I tried out a bunch of natural highs to make dry January less boring. From floating to masturbation to self-flagellation, there's a lot of stuff that doesn't contain alcohol and allegedly gets you high. Right. Oh, here's a good one, he wrote. Uh, Ten questions you always wanted to ask a flight attendant. That's the sort of thing you'd write if you've never slept with a flight attendant. Let's see what he asked. Let's have a look, Justin. Um, everything from how to join the Mile High Club and score seat upgrades to what drinks you absolutely must avoid. Uh, we spoke with Betty, an attendant working for a... Uh, wow. Wow. All right. Let's just go back. Uh, let's just go back. Um, my ridiculous quest to find the perfect bong water. Fucking hell. Jesus, is this all he can come up with? He's getting paid by Vice. Uh, let's start with his article about uh, about his uh, cliched day of cliched manly activities to see if it would boost his testosterone. By the way, um, shall we make a prediction? <laughs> shall we make a prediction right off the bat? Will Will doing so called manly activities like getting tattoos boost his t- testosterone? Hands up if you say nay. Okay, everyone, and hands up if you say, yay, nobody, right? That's pretty clear. As someone who regularly espouses progressive ideologies online, what, what a way to start an article. Uh, I'm used to having my masculinity called into question. I'd say, mate, that your masculinity is called into question because you look like a fucking faggot. Just Just putting that out there, mate. Just looking at the vi- quick video you put up, just looking at the little look on your face, just looking at your photos, just looking at what you've written about, I'd say your masculinity call get called into question because you come across as a gigantic shirt lifter. This sort of antagonism is hardly a new development. So this has been going on your entire life, okay. Oh no. Oh, no. For most of human history, sorry, we were not talking about you. Um, The pussy concepts of compassion, empathy, and mercy have butted heads with man's baser, id-driven impulses. Ah, so here he is at the very start, putting himself at a higher level than us, us men who just go out there and storm beaches at Normandy and stuff like that. So thanks for that, man. Thanks for that. And though the political right has long claimed manliness as a trait intrinsic to its platform, no, it never did. No, no, no. Malcolm Turnbull, Prime Minister of Australia, manliness? Give me a fucking break. The the Prime Minister of U- the UK at the moment's a fucking chick. So, no. No, not at all. Um, who did we have? Who did we have? We had uh, George Bush? No. Uh, and George Bush Jr., number two? No, that wasn't man. Ronald Reagan? Yes. Absolutely. Ronald Reagan was definitely a manly man. But the Bushes? Are you serious? Miss? The, the 17, of the 17 conservative nominees for the, for the Republican Party nomination, 
we'll, we'll leave Donald Trump out of this. Of all the rest of them, the manliness, Jeb Bush. Are you are you shitting me? Uh, its brand of machismo is enjoying a re- renaissance, a renaissance in the era of memes and Trump. Of course. While the derision of effete liberal characters like Pajama Boy served as early, rum- early rumblings of what was to come. What? What are you saying, man? Really, what are you saying? That Pajama Boy was what? Pajama Boy was... Was somehow what? What's Pajama Boy good for, man? Real serious question, Justin. If you listen to this, what's Pajama Boy good for? Good for in the, in the history of the human race, where can we put Pajama Boy and 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 he's a benefit to mankind? Yeah. Apart from buying pajamas and sipping hot chocolate and looking like a fucking faggot, like you do, Justin. You fucking faggot. It was the ascension of the current president himself, a walking parody of bravado that seems to have been the catalyst for this latest uniquely aggressive wave of toxic masculinity. Wah, 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 wah. Toxic masculinity to fag. Masculinity is toxic. It's toxic to faggots. Like Justin. You faggot. Oh, now he's got a tweet embedded from Mike Chernovich. Uh, Soy boy ex-husband rant to media after he got cucked and he ruined his ex-wife's life. This is your life on soy. Uh, Something's got Matt Pierce. Uh, The alt-right in particular, that's me, seems utterly obsessed with proving its own manliness and disproving that of its opponents. No, 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 no. We're not utterly obsessed with proving our own manliness. Um, We're utterly comfortable with our manliness. And that upsets faggots like you, Justin. Uh, its displays of masculinity take a number of familiar forms, char- such as championing the subjugation of women via white sharia. What? 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 So what you're saying, Justin, is that sharia is bad if white people do it. <laughs> But if the camel fuckers do it, it's okay. Is that what you're saying? Showing off gun collections or fantasizing about political adversaries' unfaithful wives. Um, what have you lot been saying about Trump's wife non-stop since he nominated? Really? But as you go further down the rabbit hole, the alt-right standards of masculinity become more confounding uh, often appearing at odds with one another, such as these two posts from frequent alt-right meeting ground, r slash the Donald, one proclaiming that real men hold their own, own umbrellas, whereas the other suggests that real men don't use umbrellas. Um, okay. If you're going to pick low-hanging fruit, such as people on Reddit, who are probably 16 years old themselves, um, which is probably the mental maturity where you're at, Justin, uh, and use that as some sort of example of alt-right machismo. I don't know what to tell you. It's pretty low-hanging fruit, mate. Fruit. Just so you know, uh, real men do use umbrellas because I have an umbrella, and it's a very, very, very sweet London undercover umbrella. 
which my father gave me as a gift a few years ago. And I've been very careful not to let my wife use it because she'll lose it. I just know. Um, and of course you hold your own umbrella as a man. Jesus Christ. Uh, the language used to pass this brand of machismo can be equally convoluted and hard to pin down. With the once ubiqu ubiquitous insult cuck now passe, no, it's not. Cuck is not passe. Justin, you want it to be passe, but it's not. It's still and will forever be brilliant rhetoric. You cuck. And the SJW MSM forcing them to usually reserve faggot for private company. No, no, you're a big fat fag, Justin. I've been saying that repeatedly. Though looking at you, honestly, I think you'd find it hard to get laid in a gay bar. A new favourite put down has emerged soy boy. Yeah, it's good. Soy boy's good. The prerogative is based on the scientifically disproven belief. Uh-huh. The consumption of soy products feminizes men by lowering their testosterone and the equally baseless presumption that liberals eat large amounts of soy. No, they're not baseless presumptions. And yes, it does, overconsumption of soy does turn you into a raving fucking fag like yourself, Justin. Frankly, it all sounds exhausting. Huh, does it? Huh, I don't know. Uh, dear listeners, are you exhausted? With so many waking hours dedicated to arcane guidelines about what does and doesn't constitute a man, I couldn't help but wonder whether where these paragons of masculinity find the time to live the manly lives of their dreams. Well, Justin, uh, you can check out my blog. You can read my 28 Traits of the Modern Man. You can read my two books. Third one's still on the way. Uh, I am getting around to it, people. Um, and I, I do a manly job, and I, and I, and I write about masculinity, and uh, there's plenty of other guys out there doing it, mate plenty of people um so your your pathetic uh passive aggressive put downs you can shove right up your virgin faggot ass up where the sun doesn't shine uh we continue i decided to explore this idea by having the manliest day humanly possible uh-huh uh-huh so did you go on u.s marine corps basic training yeah is that is that what you is that what you did for your manliest day humanly possible? Is that what you did? Uh, did you did you let did you go maybe on a boot camp with someone really, really insidiously insanely insane? I could have taken you on a boot camp that would really have beaten lying down getting a dolphin tattoo on your ankle. I can tell you that right now. Uh, so he's done this while lab testing his testosterone levels. The metric of masculinity these folks seem most concerned with. Uh, gee, the condescension is dripping, isn't it, from uh, uh, um, this Justin chap. Uh, before and after, to see if it had any impact. After scouring the web, because that's what you do when you want to be a man, you scour the web. You don't go and knock on the Marine Corps' door and go, look, I'm not. I'm not brave enough to join you. I'm not that. I'm not that stupid. But look, can I just? Can you just take me in for one day, just one day? Because I'm writing this article and I want to see how tough it is. Yeah. No. You're gonna scour the web. That's so manly, Justin. 
you just really started off on the right foot. I mean, you didn't go down to a trucker's bar and walk in and say, you know, people who drive trucks trucks are fags. Yeah, you wouldn't want to do something like that. No, you're going to scour the web. You didn't even go to a fucking library. I know why you didn't go to a library, because there'd be a hot librarian there and you'd be too daunted and too intimidated to even say boo to her. After scouring the web and cultivating a list of cliché activities and attitudes that guys from the alt-right and other macho courses internet regard as masculine, I composed a T-spiking itinerary to put my testicular fortitude to the test. I just want to say right away, he didn't do anything with chicks. There's no strip club, there's no hookers, there's no attempts to go and pick up any females of any type. So right off the bat, mate, Right off the bat, you're a big, fat fail. A big, fat fail. On a morning when my facial hair had reached an adequate level of masculine stubble, well, if you'll read uh, the 28, let's go the right, let's go right to the start. 28 traits of the modern man on my blog. Here we go. Number two, the modern man shaves every day, dipshit. Yeah? Only slobs don't shave. I collected a before saliva sample and got to work. Presumably this is for his testosterone levels. I began with a trip to my apartment complex's gym. Your apartment complex's gym? Oh, I suppose that it had lots of spinning machines and walking machines. Yeah! Cardio. You didn't go down to like the meanest, the meanest powerlifting gym. No, I began with a trip to my apartment complex's gym, where I lifted the heaviest free weights I could, making sure to loudly vocalise my efforts. I'm glad the gym was empty while I was doing this, because if someone had taken issue with my grunts, I would have been forced to alpha up, staring them down until they submitted. Why don't you go do a powerlifting gym, man? Like I was at this afternoon, and then do that for real, and and take and lift the heaviest free weights you could there. See if you could even pick them up, you fag, and then stare stare someone down. Someone like me, who works out there three or four times a week and has been doing that so for a long time. You wouldn't be staring at shit, mate. You'd be staring at your fucking feet. You wouldn't even lift your gaze. You'd walk in and everyone would know. Everyone would know by the aura of pussiness surrounding you in that moment that you were there to be mocked and bullied mercilessly for your hideous attempts at entering a male domain. That's how it would have gone down. And that's why you went to your apartment complex's gym. Because in your efforts to be masculine, you didn't have the balls even to start off right. You could have even gone to one of these gyms in the morning when there's hardly anyone there. But that was too scary for you, Justin. So you fucking pussied out. Continuing. That said, outside of reactionary displays of aggression, I'd vowed to not ruin anyone else's day with my experiment. So shit like catcalling and other red pillar forms of harassment were off the table. Pussy! Once home and only slightly rinse off to preserve the musk of my workout, 
I tied myself a lengthy necktie. I then removed the tie as I was merely demonstrating my ability and only squares suit up when they don't have to and put on my actual manly outfit for the day. Black denim, biker boots, a flannel shirt and an undershirt with a plunging neckline that exposed my chest hair. I know what you're thinking isn't fretting over an outfit the antithesis of manliness. Well, guess what, buddy? I don't give a fuck what you think. This mindset being fundamentally manlier than your concern. No, no, a man, as I've already pointed out, a man buys the best clothes that he can afford. And we're looking here at your uh, check shirt, plunging neckline, uh, biker boots, and black denim. The fact that you own black denim uh, is really worrying in of itself. You look, Justin, uh, uh, Justin, 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 I know I've called you a fag, I know, but I don't want you to take this the wrong way, you look like a douchebag. My manly breakfast consisted of a raw egg, a monster energy drink, and what I thought was beef jerky, but actually turned out to be pork jerky, but I actually meant to do that because men don't admit to mistakes. Okay. I eat yogurt. Just saying. I eat yogurt. I eat yogurt. <laughs> Just put it out there. <laughs> Some of this stuff, Justin, you're really overthinking. Now he's got a picture of him in front of a pink wall changing a tire. Uh, next on the agenda was the classic manly task of auto work. My car was working fine and didn't need an oil change. Justin, Justin, Justin. I bet, I bet 100 bucks right now that you wouldn't know how to do an oil change on your car if your life depended on it. Garen fucking T. Justin, no one here thinks even for a minute, no one believes even for a second that you would know how to do an oil change on a car, mate. You wouldn't know how to do an oil change on a bottle of olive oil. So I just jacked up the car, removed one of the wheels, putting it back on once my hands were satisfyingly dirty. Pleased with my work, I lit up a cigar in the morning? Who does this? And began the drive to the next item on the agenda, making sure to rev my engine at every red light. It looks like you're driving a Prius, mate! I spent the next two hours in a tattoo parlor having a manly artist ink a bad-ass skull on my arm that had been designed specifically, there's an Instagram link here, for this manly occasion from someone called Ann Tran, who's a chick. You got your skull designed by a chick, mate. While the needle repeatedly stabbed my flesh, I made sure no trace of pain registered on my face, nor did I let on as to how happy I was with the job the artist was doing. Ah, oh, right, I get it. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. You're mocking men for not displaying feelings when you're not understanding that the repression of feelings is a source of strength, and courage, fortitude, and stoicism but you wouldn't know that if it wrapped itself around your head and strangled you. Once that was done, I made my way to a brewery to try to watch some sports over a beer. Unfortunately, he goes on for ages and ages and ages about he can't order, he can't find a bar with a TV. Eventually, he manages to find a bar with a TV and he drinks uh, his glass of stout very quickly and then uh, after a few minutes leaves and he's 
Now he's a fancy steak dinner with a side of potatoes. He's got steak hanging out of his mouth uh, and a whiskey in the other hand. He just looks like a he looks like he looks like a meth addict. To be honest with you, this is what you look like. You know, you look like a, a meth addict. Sorry. Um, after this, he's gone shooting at a, a range. So this is after you've been drinking alcohol. Okay, doesn't sound um, doesn't sound very cool, man. Um, hmm. Uh, one time I ended my manly day with a large ditch effort to spite my tea by taking a punch from my roommate right before bed. Yeah, I, I, bet, he, I bet he really held that punch back. Uh, the next morning I took my after saliva sample and mailed both vials off to the lab. Uh, the results came back. Uh, the normal range apparently for a healthy male, adult male is anywhere from 49 to 185 picograms of testosterone per milligram. Uh, with diet, exercise, genetic stress levels, and a host of other factors affecting the levels. In just 24 hours, my levels had dropped from 65 to 54, dangerously close to the too low cutoff. You were dangerously cu close to the too low cutoff to begin with, Justin, you fucking faggot. Extrapolating from this experience, the only conclusion I could make from this completely unscientific study of a sample of one is that these manhood-obsessed guys aren't just acting like pricks with all the manly man shit. The stress of putting on those airs might actually be counterproductive to their goals in the end. Because, uh, because his T-levels dropped when he lifted the heaviest weights he could find in his, in his apartment complex gym. And he didn't say how long for. We all know, we all know how long he spent in the gym. He spent five minutes... And most of that time was spent looking in the mirror to see whether he was buffed or not, which you're not, Justin. Then he put on some black pants. Then he changed the tire that he didn't need to. Then he revved engine at the lights. Then he went to, got a tattoo. Then he went to a sports bar and had a stout. Then he went and had a steak and traders and a glass of whiskey. Then he shot some bullets off. And apparently this was going to raise his testosterone levels. He didn't go anywhere near tricks, near chicks, anywhere near chicks the whole day. This was going to raise his testosterone levels. So we then went to a doctor, Everly Wells Chief Medical Officer, Dr. Mara Francis, MD. All right, let's search that. I want to see what this doctor looks like. Let's have a look. 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 Let's have a look here. Images. Mara Francis MD. Uh, the vast majority of images I'm getting are women. Yeah, and I'm just looking at what he said here. Uh, Everly Wells Chief Medical Officer, Dr. Mara Francis, MD, he explained to me that the body is a daily fluctuation of testosterone production between 5 and 12%, and my minor dip fell within that biological variance, rendering in insignificant. Dr. Francis noted that there are, as Francis then informed me, 
He didn't use a personal pronouns identifying the uh, the biological sex of the doctor in that whole thing. So I'm assuming he went to see a chick. He couldn't go and see a chick on the day he was trying to raise his tea levels. Dr. Francis noted that there are indeed a few ways to legitimately raise one's testosterone, but I don't, I don't touched upon one of those. To cause any significant rise in my T levels, I'd have to commit to months of heavy weightlifting and a total dietary change. So he's committed to, you touched on two of those because you, you apparently did weightlifting and you ate a steak. But as Francis then informed me, uh, unless one's pursuing the physique of a powerlifter, there's no real reason to try and change your T level if it's already in the healthy range. Oh, because she'd know all about it, wouldn't she, Justin, boy? You went and saw a female doctor about testosterone levels. Ah, oh. ah, oh. good on you, mate. Good on you. You're just dripping with masculinity. Oh, it's dripping all off you. Oh, jeez. It's, it's like, oh, oh, you fucking faggot. So he finishes. Go ahead, fellas. Cry at the movies. Take up knitting and wash your tofu down with a soy latte. It'll have little to no effect on any measurable level of your manliness. But even if it does, who gives a shit about that stuff anyway? Clearly, being a man has more to do with your character than any superficial activity or hormone level. Better to be a good person with low T than the deepest voice guy holding a tiki, to- tiki torch. What the hell? And this is what they want. The left, the pro- progs, the ideological probs want good men. They don't want you to be good at being a man. They want good men. And good men translates to obedient men. So there we go. He's on Twitter. You can follow him. Why don't you follow him? Yeah, look at him. Oh, here we've got pseudo-creative writing for Vice until I figure out I'm bad at the job. You are bad at the job, man. Uh, DM with news tips, travel story suggestions, or to call me a cuck. Oh, he lives in L.A. There we go. Now, he's on Vice. And he has 4,000 followers. That's pretty pathetic, isn't it? Uh, I can't be bothered looking at his feet. I can't really. So there you go. Look, I'll link to that in the show notes. Um, some of the Dr. Maras are... Uh, no, they're not hot. They're, which No, I wouldn't bang. Would not bang. Would not... Oh, no, would not bang. Definitely would not bang. Uh, no, no, ooh, hell no, oh, God, oh, shit, oh, it's getting worse as we go down, isn't that, isn't that weird with Google Images, is it, the, is it the further you go down, the worse they get, oh, here come all the Asians, uh, and the blacks, <laughs> oh, and the white ideologues, obviously, based on her hair colour, um uh, no it would not bang um ooh, no would not bang no no definitely no hell no uh oh god um gee gee there are a lot of people in the world the plague can't come soon enough that's all i can say all right um this has been going on a while Shoutouts, Captain Capitalism, Aaron Clary at uh, captaincapitalism.blogspot.com. 
dot whatever country you're in. Um, he sponsors my podcast. He has his own podcast. He has two podcasts. Um, he's been on a bunch of uh, uh, said a bunch of stuff out this week. He had a really good article I linked to this week um, on what was it? Um, uh, you can return to 1950s America anytime. And he's put another one out about David Hogg's 15 minutes of fame is over, which is well worth checking out. Uh, you can go to his YouTube channel where he puts up um, regular uh, YouTube requests based, based on his consultancy business. What's he got today? Uh, why people hate the truth? Why the 90s were better than today? Definitely. Uh, what is good credit versus bad credit? Um, how to help America's boys and young men. That sounds like an interesting one. Why women can't find men. That's a good one. Conserve a thought. Oh, Aaron comes up with some of the best, the best, the best uh, monikers he really does. Um, yeah, check out Aaron Clary. Uh, if you like this podcast, subscribe to my podcast feed here just by clicking... Uh, clicking follow um, and click through to the blog on website and blog and you can follow my blog join 200 and I hit 260 followers eh? I think oh, we got that 261 there we go um, buy my books pushing rubber downhill a journey to manhood via whitewater adventures uh, where I how I became a manly man and run guts pull cones which is just a bit of fun in the Italian Alps rafting with hot chicks drugs alcohol Hot chicks, drugs, hot chicks, alcohol, hot chicks. Um, this podcast comes to you every Wednesday, Holland time. And every month, once a month. So I get three of these a month. And then once a month, I join with the great one from the Cynical Libertarian Society for the Greasy Pole podcast, which are proven to be quite popular. Um, I noticed when the, bre the Greasy Pole went up, like when my podcast goes up, Within a couple of days, I've about a hundred and hundred listeners. We put we put the greasy pole poll up last week, and bang, man, it got hit. Within the first twenty four hours, I think I had two hundred and fifty listens. So it's starting to pick up that one. Um, so which I'm really happy about. Uh, thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed this one. Um, I think I'll call this one this episode. What was I going to call it? I had an idea. Um, I'll think about it. I'll have to think about it. I'm going to think about this one overnight because this is Tuesday night. I'm putting this up tomorrow morning. Hey, don't you guys go changing. Be good. Thanks for listening.